Yo, hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, guy. Can you hear us? Oh, we can can hear you. Really? You can hear me? Yep. Yes. I can hear you guys at all. Talk to me now. Hello. Test, test, test. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just didn't have the volume on. That's really dumb. All Welcome to episode 30 of Podcast X. I am Ben Kendrick. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hey, Ben. Hey, remember? I don't remember the last time we recorded. It feels like a long time. But if you remember, I uh, had uh, a wine. Remember this? Wayne Gretzky's wine. We had a great discussion about that today. Yep. I saved the other one. So today I got the Cabernet Merlot. This is the uh, other also cheap, the red wine version. So I just cracked it open to celebrate that we are tired and back together again. Excellent. Yeah, we've had a busy couple weeks. Um, special guest Kofi Outlaw is also here. I only drink Earl Stevens' estates. <laughs> Kofi, so did you like get to go just like hang out with your brothers and stuff? Is that what you were doing last week when you were? And then you had to, like a staycation? Uh, no, I just went to Savannah. Yeah, I, I, it was spring break, and uh, you know that means you're just trapped at home with your kids for a week. So it was also my brother's fortieth. So I went to Savannah for just a night with my my two brothers, and um, yeah, we had a good time on. Uh, for his birthday out in Savannah, downtown Savannah, Georgia. Shout out to Savannah. Um, then I came home, did a little bit of work, and uh, then was like, I'm out again. And yeah, we went on, we have a kind of staycation tradition nice. here in Nashville at the Opryland Hotel, which is one of the biggest hotels, non casino hotels, and definitely America and I think the world. But, um, and uh, yeah, so we hang out there, and there's a water park, and a bunch of other stuff that we do. And yeah, man, so I, I haven't even been to my own podcast, the hopefully award-winning Comic Book Nation, in a quite a couple like weeks now. So I'm just out of this whole podcast game. I, I just kind of said, "Fuck it," I haven't seen <laughs> anything. I missed the screenings. Like, yeah. So I'm just here for the drama, yeah. baby. And as soon as I came back in through the door. The drama was going down, and it's good to yeah. be back. Yeah, it's, so we're going to be talking today. Uh, we're going to do a Rob and I both saw Shazam, Fury of the Gods. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to break down kind of all of this sort of what I guess we would describe as sort of the swan song of the DCEU or DCU, you know, pre-James Gunn days. Because sounds like a lot of stuff was kind of percolating that didn't happen and the rock made some moves that sort of may have damaged some of the franchises so we'll uh we'll kind of unpack that after we do our our review of of shazam we're gonna do that after our review of shazam even though we'll have spoilers in the review just because like i don't honestly like after seeing that movie i don't know if there's a whole lot that like wasn't shown in the ads for one thing and also just anybody would like really care about the- oh what happened to that motherfucking teacher wasn't shown in the ads baby oh, Wait, what? yeah I don't even remember uh, what part we're talking about. 
teacher meets gravity. Oh, um, <laughs> that's right. I fucking, I've completely forgot, dude. I think I've forgot half of this movie already. Uh, but yeah, Rob wasn't feeling well last week and I was busy as shit. So we, uh, you know, but we're back this week. Going to talk some Shazam. Going to talk some DC. We'll have John Wick next week. Um, I've seen it. I know these guys are excited to see it. So, uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about that one next week. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll just kick it off. So, Rob, you yeah. like you went and saw Shazam. I saw it at a press screening. I saw it right after John Wick. And I will preview my John Wick comments for next week because I fucking loved John Wick for yeah, and like just absolutely reignited my interest in the franchise not that i was like you know getting super tired of it or anything but it might be one of my favorite or my favorite entries with some of the best action so i was very i was flying high and the next day i went and saw shazam and it my in my opinion it kind of encapsulated almost everything that like as a juxtaposition to everything i loved about john wick like this movie did all the opposite things that i didn't didn't love so i'm curious what you thought of it because I don't actually know how you felt about it. And then I'll talk a little bit about, you know, I was going on a rant about on Twitter about it and stuff. So right. Unpack that a bit. So you went from a high of John Wick to, to this, which may, you know, yeah. sounds like a, a bit of a low for you. So I, so I did it the other way. I, I started with 65, which is, <laughs> you know, let's just say it's not a high and then into this, which is also, you know, not a high, but let's back yeah. it up. So the first Shazam, I, I think all, all of us share similar feelings. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty yeah. great for what it was. It had a lot of heart. It's very easily recommendable on the big screen and otherwise. It was like a genuine, like quality good time. And it felt different too at that time with all the other bigger quote unquote event movies happening. That one like was and the marketing too was genius. The idea of going yeah. back and becoming Shazam. Like those the trailers played well. Everything was good on the up and up. And it's like this is what this is a cool start. What a nice juxtaposition to what we think the the darker brooding black item would eventually be and, and potential yeah. crossovers there. Um the second one though, Fury of the Gods, you know, n- not so much of any of that. Um it's good enough to watch, but it's not the same thing. It's, it's not something I would say, you know, go it, see it in a hurry. It's not a must watch. So you certainly don't need to see it in theater. It's quite forgettable for that reason. So that's why I would not recommend it. And also like the timing is so terrible and working against it. This is what, four years, I think, since the first one came out. Like, yeah, this thing sure. should have came out two years ago. Um, and not just because it's launching in the midst of like the Black Adam failure and the DC reset and the Warner Brothers like internal resets plus the acquisition stuff. It, it's craziness from a industry standpoint. Um, so big yikes all around on that front. But also, and I don't like to lean into this as a criticism, but given the nature of this is like a kid's crew becoming superheroes, like they definitely waited too long on, on the Billy Batson actor <laughs> playing Shazam. Like it, yeah. it's very clear and it's partly writing – partly directorial, but how they handle the protagonist of Billy Batson and Shazam is like a huge misfire and everything kind of leans on that. Cause like, I love the family aspect of Shazam too. Cause they are established heroes. The other actors play well into their older counterparts and they're fun on screen, but because there's so many of them and because they're distracted by too much focus on an inconsistent Billy and these multiple villains sort of, and it's over the top plot that they kind of lose sight of what actually makes Shazam special. Like it doesn't have that same heart and that same through line. Right. And then, yeah. um, so I, I honestly, it felt too long, like by 30, 40 minutes and it was boring. And like, um, and the villains, like for such a, the 
top-notch, high-caliber cast who they they put in work on the marketing campaign. All of them went everywhere around the world to promote this film, but God, their characters are bad. And you, you kind of get that from the opening sequence where they're just kind of just killing people ruthlessly. <laughs> um, and it's like at the same time, you've Zach – Zachary Levi out there saying, this is a family movie. The marketing sucks. I'm like, well, man, your movie kind of sucks, bro. It's not <laughs> like, yeah. it's not just marketing. Marketing for sure was not a winner, but like this movie is also not delivering. And I feel bad. I don't know. Like we do know there are things that are cut that were connective threads to other projects. Right. And there's a major yeah. cameo still in this film and which they get spoiled in the marketing against the director's wishes and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman appearing. The other cameos they cut. So what's that? Kofi? Look, everything about Shazam was always a misfire. I didn't see this movie. I'm not going to see it. I'm not rushing out to see it. But Shazam was always a misfire. I spoke honestly about the first one. You Nobody like fucking listened to me. Like everybody just No, I've <laughs> never liked I never liked any of this franchise. Let's just get it let's just get this straight, okay? Zachary and Levi and Asher Angel needed to sit the fuck down and spend like a whole fucking time isolated with each other to get how to play off each other. They do not seem like the same yeah, person in two different bodies whatsoever in either movie. Okay. Like Asher Angel's trying to like do his fucking real drama acting and fucking Zachary Levi's just being a goofy. Zachary Levi seems like the kid and Asher Angel seems like <laughs> the adult. Like, it's really fucking weird. In the, and I'm, I'm still just talking about the first movie. I, mean, I know nothing about the second one. David F. Sandberg was absolutely the wrong choice for these movies from the jump. Like of all the superhero movies to give this guy, like he should have been doing fucking moon night werewolf by night. He should be doing anything that was like more of the fucking scary movie he made with lights yeah. out and not this silly shit that he was given. Like it, it just never made tonal sense. Neither of these movies. Like there's always this lighthearted, stupid, dumb shit, like the big rehash. And then there's this horror shit that's just thrown in. And then there's this fucking deep drama. I was seeing, we saw Shazam on cable because we recently restarted cable because my wife couldn't fucking take cutting the cord. And we were, it was on TBS or some TNT, one of those shits. So I just tried it out for like 20 minutes with my son because there's a movie theater next to our staycation place. And I thought about taking him to see this. Right. And I was like, maybe, I mean, he's about to be five. And I was like, if he can handle like, the, like seeing some of this on TBS, maybe he'll be able to handle seeing it in the theater. I was just trying to maybe see if it would work. So Zachary Levi, I tried to listen to your ass, dude. He saw like 10 minutes of Shazam and it when he was like all freaked out and it wasn't the part you think it wasn't like Mark strong throwing motherfuckers out of a window or something <laughs> like that, or the demons eating people. He's seen like some Beetlejuice and stuff like that. He wasn't freaked out by that. It was the scene where he, he finally finds his mom and he like is talking to his mom and his mom's like, I left you there and makes that big reveal. My fucking son, my four year old turns turns to me and goes like, mommies leave their kids and i'm like oh my god i'm like oh jesus i'm like um i'm like no and he's like why like why he's like getting really upset i'm like jesus i'm like oh god like all right like enough of this and like just turned it off i was like okay i was like and so like i was just like yeah i can't even rely on this fucking movie for 10 minutes of a fucking random spot scene 
without it like fucking up my kid and now he's asking me do parents leave their kids if they're bad and shit and I'm like oh my god and so like it was just always all over the place so I just feel like this was just more of an obvious mess than the first one and second of all it always angered me of like them trying to make like Montreal or whatever the fuck look like Philadelphia like nothing about this movie ever feels like Philadelphia in any sense Except the mom abandoning her kid, which is about the only <laughs> Philadelphia thing about it. The, the uh, oh, sorry, Ben. In the sequel, they no, do play don't. up. I mean, uh, they kind of quickly forego it, but the the big theme is like like Billy's trying so hard to keep his family together. Like all the kids and parents, they're so afraid of. He's he's so afraid of both as them superheroes, not always being a cohesive unit at all times. Like no one can go solo, but also as a family, he's afraid of anyone like moving out or moving on with their life. And that's kind of a background story that quickly gets thrown away when yeah. all the CGI monsters start appearing and unicorns and shit. <laughs> Sorry. Ben. No, it's fine. I mean, I was going to say, I think you like, you know, to some extent, I think you, you both have kind of encapsulated some points that I, like I was, when I was ranting about this movie on Twitter the other day, it's like, I think the biggest problem with the sequel in a lot, well, I mean, there's a lot of problems. I don't think the villains are good. They don't make any sense. The CGI third act is ridiculous. Like not in a good way. Like seeing a bunch of Greek monsters, like running around Philadelphia, like harpies and cyclopses and stuff like that, that look like they're out of too. Yeah. Randomly (laughs) killing people that like look like they're out of, you know, that Scorpion King movie with, (laughs) with like the rock i mean the cgi is bad the action sequences that we get are mostly just people like punching each other through walls like they're it's not particularly inventive and um and like i said that's coming off of john wick where i watched a 45 minute sequence of like you know him running around paris and stuff that's that's like insane and just such cool choreography and as insane as it is it's still kind of grounded like watching lucy lou fly around on like a dragon for the end of the movie is just, it's just not exciting like at all, you know, almost any way, shape or form. But the biggest problem that I think the movie suffers from is, is kind of what you were saying, Kofi. And I think Rob, you're saying this kind of too. It's like the kids are like not in this movie almost at all. Like the only time the kids are in the movie is when they get zapped and turned back into their kids selves. And so a few of them are themselves like Freddie, you know, for like the, Jack Dylan Grazer and Adam Brody character is himself through a lot of the movie. And we yeah. don't see all that much of Adam Brody, but that's because there's kind of like a story component to that. But, you know, and I think the DJ Katrona like character also, I forget who plays. It's like it's Joven Ar- Armand, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like he, I mean, you know, we see a little bit more of him than some of the other guys. Cause he gets turned back into himself, but I mean, like Asher Angel is probably in this movie for all of probably like three and a half to five minutes max. And so what we get is the Zachary Levi kind of goofy. Oh, I'm catching a car while the song, you know, give me a hero is playing. Oh, my God. You know, like that kind of goofy stuff. And then when he's talking to the other kids who are also adults about all of their kid problems and leaving the nest and stuff like that, it just like it just doesn't hit the second that Asher angel comes on screen and has like kind of a, like a emotional moment with the, the mom, like the adopted mom of that family is like probably the emotional highlight of the movie. And it's like, why isn't there more of that? And it, it kind of mirrors what you were saying, you know, about the first one for, for all your, you know, complaints, Kofi, it's like 
Asher Angel in that scene with his mom is like operating on a level that Zachary Levi is not. And so when you see him on screen, you're just like, why did they do this? Like, why did they think that having these other guys in here more this time was the right thing to do? Because I still think the the best version of like a Shazam movie is something where it's kind of like you're playing off of the fact that these these kids are these superheroes and when they should switch into their kid modes to like, you know, take advantage of some opportunity or something like, you know, they go undercover as kids or they like it should be a fun kid family type film. And the only reason this is a fun kid type family film is because it's incredibly stupid and there's just a bunch of CGI kind of nonsense on screen. So yeah, it's not, you know, like I want the kid movie where we say our heroes are a bunch of kids who, when they have to call upon these powers, you know, like they call upon these powers, not a bunch of kids who just live as superheroes 95% of the time. Like they're sitting around the Shazam, you know, like cave or whatever, the wizard's cave, just like, as their superhero selves instead of like, as their kid selves having conversations. Like, I don't understand why they would do that. I mean, I guess, I guess if I was a kid, maybe I'd want to be my superhero self, but like, why would the, you know, Mary character, you know, that grace Carolyn Curry plays like be in her Shazam costume all this. Like, it just doesn't make, you know, sense to me. And I, I honestly, like, I would like to know the production reason for well, having them because they have to pay the older actors more to come yeah, back. I mean, I guess I that's, the that's they want to get their money's worth. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just unfortunate because it's just like none of these, none of the adult, act, like that was a fun gimmick in the first one, you know, of seeing all these guys, but now you have a full movie. That's a bunch of kids who are just adults. Like I don't, I, you know. Yeah, look, the, the thing, the first movie I got it with Billy's character because like he's had such a, you know, let's let's just call it a traumatic childhood, and like yeah. he's got the family, and like when he found the, the superhero powers, that's him breaking free and being a kid. So yeah. that worked for me. In this, it doesn't because, like you said, the very minimal screen time we get Asher as Billy, it's like so self serious, and it feels like a different movie. And there's like even the tone of how they speak is very different. Whereas you look at Freddie or Jack Dylan Grazer's character, who seems to be the actual protagonist of the story and actually gets the love interest and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like his character, the way he goes back and forth between superhero Freddy is totally in line with the same character. And he's using abilities that you think a teenage kid would. Right. So yeah. um, to try to woo the girl, so to speak, you know what I mean? Impress his friends at yeah. school. And they, um, it's so funny how that dynamic has played up so well versus the other ones being pushed aside or Billy's just, just failing. Um, yeah. And like you said, the, the, the final act sequence of them like forcing the heroes to be kids again, just so we get more exactly about Shazam as the hero. <laughs> it just yeah. does not, they didn't earn that. So it doesn't no. fit. And then you couple that with the, I know you mentioned Lucy Lee riding a dragon, but like beyond the goofy visual and the weirdness of it all, like her motivations are ridiculous. She's like, we are gods. We want to rule. Even, even if this planet looks like hell, <laughs> it's like, what yeah. rule? What? <laughs> it's the classic superhero problem, right? It's like, yeah. When like Helen Mirren, like her character has this like redemption arc towards the end where she thinks her sister has gone too far and stuff. But we open the movie with her turning a bunch of people to stone and then like like knocking them over and killing them all. Yeah. Like, so like, it's not, that's, you can say, okay, you know, they sort of talk about this thing about like, well, you know, if I don't remember what the analogy she uses, but it's like, you know, if you had this priceless thing and somebody stole it from you, you know, and then someone else picked it up, like, wouldn't you steal it back? 
But like at no point is she really talking about like murdering everybody. And you're supposed to think of like the Helen Mirror character as kind of, I don't know, like a complex, almost anti-hero kind of character. Like, you know, she'll go to certain lengths to like restore her kingdom. Whereas the Lucy Liu character doesn't want to restore their kingdom. She wants to destroy the earth and stuff. And it's like, like the Helen, but I mean, so much of the beginning of the Helen Mirren character was like her pretty much just like, like murdering people for the, uh, the irony there is that these three gods who are hundreds of centuries, you know, years old, they're the most childish <laughs> which yeah, is the yeah, weirdest yeah. thing, right? They have zero complexity. Yeah. They do not make sense. They do not act as gods. Their motivations are, don't fit what the, their actions. So that's so that, you know, and sure people throw away. Hey, it's a popcorn movie. No, nah, it's, it's not good enough. There are so many of these out there. Yeah. We shouldn't be spending $150 million making this. Right. Yeah. Uh, especially at this time. So uh, that being yeah. said, like Jaiman Hansu gets a lot more screen time and is actually kills it. And like, I want to see more. I, I think that character is the biggest victim of all this. Cause that character did appear in black Adam. <laughs> and then, yeah. like, Luckily gets to be a star in this one. Thank God. But yeah, but, um, a wasted opportunity uh, along with what you were saying, but the kids in the, in the wizard cave, like to me, the most visually interesting and in, in lore uh, interesting thing is like all the doors and where they lead to the different pocket universes or whatever that is. Like there were some cool adventures to be had there or exploration to be had there. And we get one of the characters charting those things. And then they it just, it's kind of <laughs> forgotten for most of the I, days, That's so. actually a good point because like, I actually thought those doors were going to come back. Like imagine Why? the finale where instead of Lucy Liu riding like this dragon and just kind of flying around and having Shazam sort of zip around her and stuff, you had like a scene where they're going in through all those different doors. And it's almost like the multiverse of madness that we wanted out of Dr. Strange, you know, where like you go in and okay, now you see the fairies and now you see like all the other things that were kind of played for jokes and those different, because they spent the time charting those different pocket universes, like they would have some kind of competitive advantage to beating these gods. Like that's such a better ending to the movie than, you know, getting into like Wrigley Field and having it, you know, like a giant dragon just sort of gets stuck inside of a globe and, you know, then they like punch each other and stuff. Like I, I honestly, I was shocked that the doors didn't come back in a meaningful way. I mean, I know that that's how like the wizard and what's his face, you know, I forget Harry or whatever his name is, the, like the other kid that was like one of the main characters as well, like that gets the girl or whatever uh freddie sorry freddie um, yeah. yeah like you know i get that that was like how they escaped but that was the only payoff from all those doors other than sort of ridiculous comic relief of you know someone gets spit out covered in slime and is like well we're not going in that one you know like i could i couldn't believe that and i also could not believe the stupid pen thing like how oh, yeah. much time they spent with about that too Steve <laughs> or Stewart or whatever his name was. there's like for those who haven't seen the movie there's like a little like i don't know conscious pen that writes letters and like knows everything in the universe and they don't use that to the, like this pen knows everything in the universe and they don't like just ask it like how should we defeat these people <laughs> or something like it's so it's everything so weird that, man it's the pen it's the mirror universe it's the wizard cave it's like it's like eight percent harry potter in this movie and they just forget about it and it's like man i'd almost rather see that than what we got yeah. For all the reasons you're saying, but also just the idea of the Wizards Gate, like the and, and you could 
follow David F. Sandberg on, on Twitter. He's talking about how happy he is. He's done with, we'll talk more about this later, how he's done with this superhero genre and stuff like that. And he, he's going back to horror, his roots and stuff. Um, but he, sh- he shared a lot of behind the scenes stuff in particular with the, you know, the wizard's cave and some of the, he talked about the slime shot. There's another one that was cut with like dust where one of the characters gets covered in like sand or something or dust. Yeah. Um, uh, but there was a discussion to be had about, there was a shot that was in, included as a unfinished deleted scene. I think with the first one where it has like all the characters sitting on the, on the seven thrones and there's right. one empty chair and you're like, okay, that's the black Adam chair. And they didn't do anything with that because yeah. it all shook out. And it's like the actual interesting bits and the promises are so under delivered both in terms of the three movie set, but in the sequel alone, it fails yeah. to deliver. So it's so, yeah, it's so weird. The, like also, I mean, you know, this is, I guess the biggest spoiler of the, so if you actually are going to go see this movie and are worried about spoilers, you know, I don't know, skip ahead, but we may also reference this later. But so at the end of the movie, Shazam dies and then he is buried in the daughters of Atlas's realm for, you know, I still don't understand exactly why. And there's some line that, you know, like someone says, well, can't we use the staff to resurrect him? And everybody's somber and everybody's sad. And the wizard says, no, you know, there's no magic left. You know, we would need a spark from the gods. And everybody's somber staring at this, you know, Billy is dead. He sacrificed himself. And then you hear, and Wonder Woman steps on the screen like snaps her fingers and the wizards like cane reignites and magic is back and the tree lights up with, you know, this dead tree lights up and comes back to life because now there's magic in the realm. And there's flowers and everywhere. And there's flowers and they're creeping towards Billy's grave and Billy's hand erupts out of the dirt like a zombie and scares everybody. And it's this ridiculous, silly moment and everybody's happy because he's alive and he couldn't believe they buried him. And it is the most tone deaf thing I've ever like I've seen in a lot of superhero movies. And we've seen a lot of tone deaf moments, but it is like, like I get that, you know, people sort of have this, like, I don't want to call it like a fetish, but sort of like, you know, wonder woman, you hear that music and wonder woman stepping on the screen and it's supposed to be really exciting, but I don't know. I mean, how many times in the DC universe now has wonder woman kind of just like come out of nowhere with that stuff. You can't you can't make that better than it was in like Batman v Superman when you know you hear that theme and she like jumps right in front of Doomsday's like beam and it's this big epic moment like this is not that you know and like she doesn't look excited to be there she what she's saying doesn't make any sense like there was you know these these crazy like Greek monsters running around Philadelphia and where was Wonder like Wonder Woman wasn't helping kill you know, like ancient Greek monsters. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense why she would show up there and not have showed up before. And, you know, I get it's a shared universe. I get, you know, that there's suspension of disbelief there, but Superman isn't helping fight in Philadelphia, but Superman also isn't in the end of the movie. So it's very strange to kind of acknowledge that this character exists in your world. And there are multiple references to Wonder Woman. There's a actually legitimately pretty funny part that I thought was funny, but it's just bizarre and weird where <laughs> she, like Billy is having this dream about Wonder Woman and the wizard like kind of breaks through into his consciousness. And it's like Wonder Woman's body with like the wizard's face on it, talking to him, which is, <laughs> is super. I mean, it is terrible Wait, looking. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, <my laughs> is this <laughs> the movie? 
It is a yeah, real part of the movie. Yeah, Billy's a having a dream about Wonder shit. Woman. They're going on a date in Paris, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And then, then she gets up to leave the table and turns around, and it's like Jihaman Hunter's face <laughs> on Wonder Woman's body. <laughs> it is. I mean, now, like, they have, like, I see this movie now just for this scene alone. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they have like that. what is a like 45 second conversation, like back and forth with Jaiman Hansu's face on Wonder Woman's body. But, but it's like, you know, Wonder Woman's all up all up in this movie. So it is weird that she doesn't show up like a cooler version of that third act would be like wonder woman shows up to help Billy Batson fight, you know, this monster or something like I just, it's just, I don't know. It's the most, if they're showing up for the peacemaker shit, right? Like, yeah, well, and that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's it. And well, I mean, and then the post credit scenes of this movie are like tie-ins to the justice society of, of America with, for, where the peacemaker guys show up again who were in black Adam. And then the last one is, you know, like a Mr. Mind tease again. And it's like when you, so now you're teasing Mr. Mind for the second time in this franchise. Like why wouldn't you have just had that character be the villain in the second one? Instead you did this weird daughters of Atlas thing that I don't know. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Like a lot of this stuff just doesn't work. It was ill-conceived and kind of missed the point. I think of what made the first one, you know, fun and stuff. So speaking of which we were supposed to do a light Shazam review. We've been at this. Yeah, that's like, true. It's true. So yeah, I, mean, I don't know. People who love, you know, DC stuff are probably going to like fucking hate this podcast. Cause it sounds like we're just complaining, but it's like, I don't know. This feels like the death throes of the DCU, you know, pre James Gunn. It really does feel like this is all this shit that was on the shelf that was connected in one way or another. And then The Rock, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, came in and tried to kind of take control of the DC universe and tie everything together and sort of strong arm kind of a different direction. And then the studio was like, we're not doing that either and brought in James Gunn. And now we have these weird like vestigial sort of organs that don't feel really connected to the original thing that Snyder started anymore. Don't really connect to The Rock, you know, universe, which this should absolutely be connected to and feel connected to. And it's not connected to the James Gunn stuff because especially after this movie making 30 million and the first weekend, like, you know, I don't see him bringing this back in either. So it's just like, I don't know. It's this lifeless sort of husk of a, like of a bunch of ideas that just, you know, kind of were all going in different directions and didn't come together. But um, yeah, and and even after all the learnings, there's the Warner Brothers. This film still can't shake that interference, the, the layers yeah. of it. In this case, so we talked about the Wonder Woman uh, cameo, of course. Which, by the way, David Zammer had to shoot remotely from the U.S. because he couldn't get a visa while she was in London. So they did this over like <laughs> remotely, which yeah. is probably why it feels so disconnected. And a weird thing there too. Uh, what's his face? He plays Freddy. Uh, Jack Dylan uh, Grazer, whatever his name is. Yeah. He, in one of the interviews, I think with us actually, or someone. Uh, maybe it wasn't us. In one of the interviews, he he said like that she was coming off of shooting Aquaman two. So I'm like, oh boy, uh, <laughs> no way they're gonna play that a card again, right? Yeah. But they also there's reports of like you know there was a Batman and a Superman cameo for Shazam two as well that were obviously cut, much like many of the cameos in the Flash have already been cut for obvious yeah. reasons. So it's such a weird thing. Um, but then you also have the um the rock of it all, which you're kind of hinting at here, where like. Shazam was gonna appear maybe as a cameo in that, and he nixed that opportunity. And, and we talked about it here in the podcast, but when they promoted Black Adam 
and Shazam, which by the way, Warner Brothers did not want to do, but The Rock kind of made that happen at Comic-Con. They did not come out on stage together. They did not talk about those two characters connecting at all. The marketing campaign for Black Adam became all about The Rock as the superstar, and he has to go up against the biggest. It's Superman, which kind of derails the point of this little micro-franchise anyways, right? Yeah. Um, But to what you were alluding to, with this film, there were supposed to be Justice Society cameos in here. Uh, Cyclone and Eldest Hodges Hawkman were supposed to appear as the recruiters for Shazam. And instead, uh, The Rock nixed that, said, hells no. So Warner Bros. had to bring in Steve Aggie or Aggie, I don't know how you pronounce his name, and Jenna Holland in as like the Peacemaker Connection Task Force X instead. So weird, right? So it's like, but also, what's the point now? Why do they even have these post-credit scenes? There's no way they saw this movie and said, yeah. We're doing Shazam three for sure. Everyone loves Zach Levi right now. It's like yeah. there's there's just no chance. But yeah, um, this is not going to end either because we have two other connected films coming up. I am still, you know, we can talk about sort of the the feuding and stuff that's now happening over the failure of this movie. But I am still very confused about how Aquaman is going to be what resets the DCU after or DCU after like. I mean, the Flash is going to do it, but like, I still yeah. don't understand. Like, I still don't understand how Aquaman is still hanging out there, like <laughs> as a thing that you know is clearly, co- and also just like you know the early test screenings of that sound like they haven't gone well. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, I'm excited about the Flash. Still, I'm really excited about the Flash. <laughs> Everybody seems to think that it looks good, so like, I'm I'm excited about that. But man, I still can't believe rough. you picked that. It's your best one. <laughs> I still cannot believe that. Jesus. Can you, can one of you guys kind of explain? I know, Rob, you were kind of the cliff noted versions of it, but I mean, there was a lot of actually like public feuding and comments that were coming out of this past weekend. Listen, let me break it down for you kids. Here's how Hollywood works movie stars have big egos. For superhero franchises, there's supposed to be easy thing for them to put their egos behind because it's a safe thing, right? Well, The Rock came out with Black Adam, and allegedly he was the major force in shifting the focus of that film in the series to not building up towards a Shazam fight, but a showdown with Henry Cavill's Superman was what, what The Rock wanted, allegedly. So he tried to push for that, and he how far that went is anybody's guess. I mean, the truth usually is in the middle in some of these things, but it's now been alleged today that he went as far as to making sure that Zachary Levi couldn't make any cameo appearances in black Adam. And that there was supposed to be like a cameo scene that, you know, possibly introduced him that the rock shot down and just wouldn't let him near it. And so, you know, now everybody's kind of throwing everybody else under the bus allegedly with Black At- or with uh, the Rock and his team leaking stuff to the press. Levi and his team le- allegedly leaking stuff in the press and basically saying like kind of slamming each other as in like what's going on with these films. And that's my take. But I might be half asleep, so listen to Rob. Yeah, uh, so it's funny because we actually had the the first phase of this like weird PR battle we talked about in the previous podcast. I forget which, but it was I think around December, around the time or just timed with the James Gunn, Peter Safran DCU reset announcement, right? Just you know, mid December, whatever we t- we made a podcast about that. And if you remember, I did a big Twitter thread and talked about it here in the podcast about like the weird like game of trades, like I'll call it. They're playing where like. 
The Rock and, and Seven Bucks, his team had leaked, quote, quote, leaked information to Deadline about how profitable uh, Black Adam really was. Then you had Warner Brothers working with Variety to call it all out, saying, no, it wasn't profitable at all, and there was all these problems. Uh, and then you have, like, fast forward to now, uh, and that went back and forth, by the way, with the figures and numbers, and Warner, Warner Brothers saying, no, we lost a lot of money in this. This just doesn't make sense at all. Um, and then now, to what Kofi's speaking to, you have The Wrap, another trade, reporting that, like, they basically wrote a hit piece this week against the rock and said he sabotaged Shazam and black Adam. And they talked to quote, unquote, two high level Hollywood insiders, <clears throat> Warner brothers. And then, so we know this already, but they kind of confirmed that. Yeah. To, to make the, the man of steel cameo happen, the rock went over the heads of Walter Hamada, who's already rife with controversy given, you know, the Ray Fisher of it all and everything else predating <laughs> him. Um, it went over his head to like the the basically the Warner Brothers like co CEOs of the film group right it was Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abbey like he went directly to them said I'm gonna make this Kibble thing happen and we'll just we'll just make a bunch of handshake agreements that this will lead to him getting a, a shot at being Superman again and us leading to this big brawl between Black Adam and and Superman and forget about Shazam and all that crap um, but if you read through the Raps report they have a whole bunch of additional quotes from these may or may not be Warner Brothers insiders about how like The Rock is positioning himself as like the center of everything. He walks into the room, he's the star. Of course, he's The Rock, right? He's he's the savior of franchises. And then they, they go through this like the G.I. Joe films, what happened with the Fast and Furious, and like, no, like he's taking like weak-ass IP and trying to elevate it, but inflating costs. And of course, part of that is COVID. Um, and, and this is it's not working. Like every character he wants to play, and there's also another if you go back through his social media, he did this again with Green Lantern when he joked about playing a version of John Stewart and John Stewart versus Superman. It's always the rock versus Superman. Cause it's the rock. He has to take on the biggest and best of all. Dude, have you seen the memes going around of him in different movies? Like somebody put together one, it's like five <laughs> pictures and these are like, these are from five different movies and it's just the rock in a vague beige shirt. <laughs> like doing shit and it's literally, it's literally it, it, I think it's, I think two of them are Jumanji's one's like, Skyscraper, another one's Journey like 3D. Yep, Journey. One of them's that uh fucking video game movie he did, like Rampage. Um, yep. Rampage like, yeah, it's hilarious. Rampage. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but it's just him looking like almost the exact same in three of the almost like same kind of shirts from like or five of them from like five different movies. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, this is Amazing. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's and the, the the through line and then the the culmination of all of this reporting from the rap is like basically he like alienated everything and 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 crippled two franchises in the process, um, and that's where that's where Warner Brothers is coming from. So it's again like this this over the top obvious like info dumping to the trades to create this PR narrative, um, which like no one has time for, right? Like, like, like guys, like we have blue beetle coming up next. We got to get past this shit. Yeah. Cause that movie needs a chance. Cause it has nothing to do with any of these people or any of this old regime. You got to give poor Zolo a chance. Um, <laughs> and you got your flash, which, you know, no matter how, how good that trailer may or may not be like that, that movie's doomed. Like there's no way, uh, it doesn't matter how many versions of Barry Allen Ezra Miller is going to play. <laughs> that, yeah. that character cannot continue. Um, <laughs> and Michael Keaton's done in, in, in both Marvel and DC, I think. So, uh, And like you said, Aquaman, like, there's zero marketing for that He's so probably far. cursing at those Birdman reruns like, motherfucker, you got me in this. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Um, yeah. 
But look, this does raise an interesting thing I was thinking about because like, there's a lot of talk. I mean, Marvel Studios has its own problems as well. But like one of the common issues, and we see this, we talked about this maybe even last episode where like these, these actors are done, right? Elizabeth Olsen is missing opportunities because of her commitments to play Wanda. We talked about uh, a bunch of characters leaving, like Dave Bautista and Zoe Sedana are so happy to be done after Guardians 3. But look at the DC side of it. Imagine being a big name talent, whether you're a director or more like a big star maybe. And you're, just, you're seeing this narrative continue at Warner Brothers, even post-acquisition. Imagine being a in big industry player and seeing all this continued Warner Brothers craziness. Do you want to sign some wild, giant, groundbreaking contract that involves requ- commitments to voiceover and animation, voice acting and potentially motion capture for these tie-in video games, which you have to do, and then yeah. multi- mega multi-film commitments at a fast pace because they're doing – a lot of projects within TV movie within a short span of time. I mean, hell's no, right? I say that. No, of course, young and stupid. That's it. I mean, it's, a, it's of course it's a big PR, massive lucrative opportunity. Of course, talent would take it. But from any experienced veteran, like you gotta be looking at, at this and being like, "Holy shit, what an embarrassment over there!" Like this does not end. So, yeah. um, it's wild, dude. It's wild. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, you know, we've done a couple podcasts now where we just kind of try and chart like everything that's gone wrong here and what we were hoping, you know, like would ha- come of all this stuff. And man, it like this is not I don't know. This is not the way that like I like I didn't dislike, you know, like we, we were talking like I don't have the problems with the first Shazam that the Kofi does. I think it's OK. I don't I it's not my favorite. I like it a lot. And yeah, reaching like- deep in the fridge for that mayonnaise jar. but i but it's like i you know like i wasn't strongly looking forward to shazam 2 but i i expected it to be better than nobody was was. that's why we're here like nobody was (laughs) i guess that's true i guess what if that guy was good and they did have zachary levi appear in that then you're like oh okay this is kind of leading to something yeah they had that's the funny thing about this they had the this was the only part of the thing that's really funny about this, if you guys really want to get cynical like me, and I'm on the verge of sleep, so I don't care, um, is that this was the one, the one, and I wrote about this over on comic book, like this was the one corner of DC that they could actually just start to build out something. Yeah. Like it was such an easy layup. They had for like, you know, Shazam wasn't like a killer, but it was a box office draw enough. So to get a sequel, the Black Adam movie was in development. Like this was the one corner of the DC universe that you could have flushed out into a whole into an, into its own. You know, even if you kept the connections to the Snyder stuff and all that, like into essentially its own little isolated corner, right? Um, yeah. Which is I'm dealing with other kind of mystical threats and stuff like that. And so it's just nuts that they squandered all of that. Yeah, all of that potential. You think that like COVID would have made people smarter about building like a franchise and making sure there's a steady boat and that they all rise together and get this money together. Instead, it's just like, yeah, this. It's it's weird, man. I I don't know. I this, we always talk about this, but it's like it just is so strange to me. Like the amount of money that people are paid to make terrible decisions. Because, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, people probably think we're full of shit. We've been doing this a long time. But I do feel like <laughs> if the if the three of us were sat down and they were like, okay, we got, you know, we were put in there with, like, James Gunn or something. Like, we like we could 
I feel like we could fix these things because it's not like rocket science. This stuff isn't rocket science. It's like objectively Black Adam like was a weird ass, not very good movie. And now this was an even worse movie. So it's like, but they're just like you're saying, there's a version of these things that where the, you get the egos out of the way. And, you know, I get the egos are part of the equation. So, you know, maybe that's what the challenge is here. And that's why producers yeah. and studios have so many problems when it comes to this and why it's so hard to make these things happen. You have, you know, a hit movie coming through the pipeline like Flash should be, except the actor has repeatedly done horrible things and, and stuff like that. And, I mean, you have to deal with that. So I understand this isn't like the easiest thing in the universe, but it's like, I don't, there has to be a better way of handling a lot of this than Warner brothers has. And I mean, thinking that like the rock was going to pull this whole thing together as much as we like the rock as a person, he's one of the most fun people to interview. Yeah. Some people tweeted that out. Those are not aging. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, I think like, you know, as much as, as much as there's like, positivity there like this was a pretty like dude up situation like in a there's lot such of- a funny meme like yesterday like in the midst of all of this like bad pr for the rock like he's just like randomly like just tweeting and instagramming about his xfl things next about highlights and then like so all the responses are like zachary levi though and then or one of the <laughs> my favorite one is a meme of uh oh, paul dano from from playing the Riddler and the Batman, and it's like his face in prison, and the big and the caption is, "Does he know?" <laughs> it's the funniest fucking shit I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just like just completely playing it off. Oh my god, it's so great! I'll share it with you guys. I'll put it on the, the uh, podcast X Twitter because it's so fucking funny. Yeah, um, it's. I had a yeah, thought. I don't know. That was more important. Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot. No, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, that's just the absurdity of the whole thing, you know, but I don't know. I'm um, not trying to say like Hollywood no, 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 calls wait. up and have us fix this shit, but it's like, but I'm should. sure it's harder but, than I'm saying, but like, this is just, I'll I'll do, that job. I'll do that for a dollar. Yeah. yeah. The, the problem is they, it, on paper it sounds so simple, right? The problem is they just don't give any group that control. Or when they do test it, they test it sometimes with the wrong person and it fucking backfires. Yeah. Or they go rogue. Like Zack Snyder just went rogue. It was like stealing shit from Warner Brothers and just like starting <laughs> campaigns online. Like that's the best example someone in control would hate to have when you're in charge of the money. Uh, and yeah. e- egos, as you said, like those drive decisions. It is The Rock's ego that at the time, it was exciting for us. Like Henry Cavill was back. We're like finally, get, just let the guy make a Superman movie that's a Superman movie. And they pulled yeah. it away again. It's because there's too many cooks in the kitchen because there's too many money players. And the models are designed to fail because you go back to before Walter Hamada took over this fucking mess. Like the producers that screwed over the Justice League, they, they forced that release without giving time to fix it because they were getting bonuses tied with an acquisition and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's well documented how fucked that was. So they forced that movie out. The Justice League should not have come out when it came out. It was not ready. Whatever Joss Whedon tried to do, like they were not there. Everybody was pissed, but they forced it out because that release date, that money, that quarter meant hitting a goal, meant them getting their bonuses before they lose their yeah. gigs. How fucked is that? How does that control creative decision making and release dates? Right? Yeah, it was doomed to fail from the beginning for so many reasons. Um, but now, look, I, and I, I talked about the contracts of it all with talent and directors and stuff like that. The the shining light, and I'm so hesitant to say this given that we've seen this fail like four times in a row now under every possible version. But the idea that Gunn and Safran aren't fully in charge of this unit, anyone coming in works for them. And I'm hoping those two as a unit represent what you are saying, where they are 
solely the decision makers of the plan and the money and the hirings and the dates, right? Yeah. If they can, and you know, truth be told, only part of that will be true. But if they can get close to that, then maybe finally they can do it right. At the same time, we're seeing the results of the transition. It's a massive failure and the brand is damaged, <laughs> right? It's yeah. so damaged. We're like putting DC on something is not a positive. So they have to fucking sell. I mean, the flash, sure, but like the blue beetles coming out of this and it's going to be potentially the most harmed when it should be the shining light of this all, right? So um, I say that fully knowing Marvel Studios is at a very bad spot. And if you also look at the trades, they fired Victoria Alonso, one of like the three leads of that company. They kind of silently fired her last week. I don't know if you guys saw that, but yeah, that was weird, right? Like, holy shit! Like, and 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 reportedly, Kevin Feige did nothing to stand in the way, and it's she. She's was been part of Iron Man One, right? Like even before since two thousand six, she was part of the OG ragtag group, which made Marvel Studios what it was. Oh, yeah, she's like one of the originals. Totally, and she was so completely weird. in charge of animation and VFX and that kind of stuff. So that's probably why. Plus, you know, Disney's doing massive budget cuts. You're seeing, yeah, yeah. I think, some of these shows it's, are being yeah. and being delayed, and, and that's part of it. And I think, I think the VFX narrative of it being everyone's pissed at Marvel and Marvel not having plan. They are pinning that in her. At the same time, the people on the productions are saying, "No, she's super, super professional and awesome." So it's hard to read through the lines. It's another one of those PR battles. Which trade do you read? Depending on who gave the quotes, you know what I mean. So yeah, there's yeah. conflicting reports from this part. There's reports that she was, you know, good to work for, and then there's reports that she was like a taskmaster, keeping a list of That's potential it. like fires. And so, you know, uh, as you know, one of our other podcasts was saying today, like who specializes in Marvel stuff, they were saying, you know, the truth usually lies when you have somebody in charge or somebody in management. If you're in charge any employee you could pull out is, I mean, depending who are you a great manager or the worst boss ever? It's like, depending on who you ask, right? Like yeah. people usually, if, but if you're in any kind of position of authority, people are, are usually, you're, you're going to get both sides, right? It's just inevitable. Like that's the way it goes. So it's unclear, but um, yeah, there are changes to be made, but the other suspicion is that like, yeah, you know, something needed to be done to reassure the VFX people to kind of write that ship and get a stability there. And budget cuts, as Rob said, and like, what's a good way to, you know, get a big chunk of your budget looking a little easier? Take out a top exec, right? You just kind yeah. of get rid it's, of that. The, the optics of this is so sketch, though, because she's one of the OGs, right? She's in the midst of this VFX problem, which we cannot pin entirely on her. That's Marvel's release date schedule and Disney. Like, this is Bob Chapek, like Chapek, whatever the fuck, like forcing so much content on Disney Plus at 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 an unprecedented rate, which caused part of this, plus the industry-wide issues of lack of VFX support and money and stuff. Um, But beyond that, like she's uh, one of the very few women in this industry in that company. She's – She's she's gay, so she's part of the LGBTQT. She's a woman of color. She's like, what are they doing? Like, like that's crazy, right? Oh, it's a and triple, man. You just killed a unicorn, dude. You just took out a fucking home run hitter. It's like that is, um, you know, especially given the narrative at Disney and going back to the, the don't say gay bill, which she spoke against. There's so much weirdness there. So, what if this blows up as much as it probably should? It's bad optics, man. Maybe now they saw that phase four with like, you know, crazy heroes and brown heroes and Asian heroes and gay heroes. And they were like, 
Victoria Alonso, you're doing too much. We got to get back to <laughs> Oh, God. We're going back to the classics. Give me a white damaged superhero. Next week, <laughs> Tony Stark's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, anyways, that's it's, it just shows you that, you know, there are no greener pastures. Uh, <laughs> at that level, in this industry, with the content machine shrinking on streaming services and the box office budget, the box office results being more at risk than ever, potentially, um, there's a lot of weirdness happening, a lot of transitioning yeah. happening. So. Uh, I'm very curious what's going to happen to CinemaCon next month. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. As they try to navigate these waters amidst massive layoffs and stuff. Yeah. So, Ooh. Fun times. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's a great place to end. I don't know. this Out of all 30 episodes of Podcast X, in which we are usually just kind of off the cuff and critical about stuff, and Kofi is especially off the cuff because this is where it gets to be his darker self. Um Whoa, buddy, you better slow down. You better throw a pause. You better throw a pause in there somewhere. <laughs> um, the uh, like, this is maybe our most cynical and just like frustrated episode ever. Because I, I just like, I don't know. I, I to point out that I was napping through quite a bit of this. So like, it's you wine. guys, it's it's yeah. you guys. Is that are being? This is all you guys. I had that one man about how Shazam sucked from the beginning, and I let it be just known from yeah, there. Yeah, you came in here like fuck all of this. I'm not even gonna watch it. <laughs> well, I, didn't say fuck all of it. I just said I I was honest about the first one about the problems that seemed to have just only grown in the second one. That's yeah. all I was saying. So then after that, I was oh, ready. I, I guess I listened to you guys. Actually- you guys were going in. You didn't have to see this movie though. <laughs> so like no. I, I'm willing to I'm willing to uh I'm willing to acknowledge that I avoided it as a it. professional. I avoided it as a parent. I'm doing good. I'm gonna see John Wick um, tomorrow. Yeah, I'm so so excited to see John Wick. Yeah. The can of Reeves will save us all. Um I can't wait to talk to you guys about those about that movie. There's just so many like unique and cool things and just fun moments and I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, maybe my you know disdain for <clears throat> Shazam two comes a bit from you know literally the day before I saw John Wick and was just kind of like blown away all over again. Um, You're not wrong though. I mean, the word of mouth. I mean, look, look, a couple of factoids here. DC, this Shazam two is the the absolute weakest DC uh, EU like box office launch. Yeah. Um, not including the pandemic stuff, because obviously you had some day and day HBO Max releases with the Suicide Squad, which was better. <laughs> That's a good movie. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Um, and what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, James Gunn is, as we all expected, directing Superman Legacy. So he's going to be not only planning it out and writing it, he's, he's, he's spearheading it uh, by example. So that's kind of another big news thing, which they dropped just yeah. before Shazam came out. God damn it, timing. Constantly distracting from the current releases. Um, but to their credit, at least DC, this new DC regime is promoting the comics in every single announcement they do, which is kind of nice to see. And if you look closely, you look at Marvel Studios' like Twitter channels, they're trying to catch up. They keep trying to promote like tie-in releases and stuff. Um, but these movies got to start promoting the comics like in the movies and in the theaters if they want to take that seriously. Yeah. Um, but last thing, I know we keep talking about John Wick. Uh, uh, rip to our man Lance Reddick. Who's, uh, yeah, no shit, man. What so sad. I know all of our outlets interviewed. He him, like, is involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> Man, he goes from Oz to The Wire to Fringe to being like a legend amongst games. He's like a, a pillar, yeah. a leader amongst the Destiny community. And there's some the community of that game is doing some amazing things to honor and tribute him. Yeah. And of course, he's in Horizon. He's 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 a comedy genius. He supports indies. He's a fucking he's such a nice super talented awesome dude that's that's it's one of those few every couple of years you get those celebrity deaths and it just hits you so different right it's um, i think it was also especially shocking because like all our outlets had like yeah. you know you guys just spoken to him yes. just spoke he, to he, he was literally before. just doing yeah that man was about to like in it this is like it fucking sucks like lance reddick is one of those just character actors that is just greatest like of his generation did everything so many like you said so many memorable fucking roles in so many things from comedy to horror to like intense best dramas of tv um like and he was just getting his like you know he was john wick was thing and they were doing the continental was doing the universe expansion there was so much he could have done with that shit and he was like he loved fandom and doing kind of geek culture stuff and like never was too serious about it or too like snotty about it. And like, yeah, it'd have been, it'd have been great to see him do more in John wick and just to learn more about him and his character and just all that shit. And yeah, it's just, it's just this and um, Michael Williams, like also to wire another wire actor, that went in oh, recent yeah. years that just yeah. fucking it guts me because like we must protect Michael B. Jordan at all costs at this point. Like, was anybody protected Wallace? Like, you know, <laughs> oh like, no. Like yeah. these, these guys like were breakout talents like at a time when, you know, you know, speaking personally, there wasn't that many. Like, we live in a much more diverse and we still have a long way to go, but we live in a way more diverse time now than like when these guys all broke out with like the wire and doing some of the best work on TV that went unsung, unrewarded, like unrecognized to this day, like Mm -hmm. no fucking major awards, no, no real spotlight for these guys for in like, for that work. I mean, and and it's been good. And I'm always a big supporter of seeing all those guys from both, both HBO series, Oz and the wire kind of like, seeing them all go out and become like motherfucking stars where there was like Christopher Maloney and all the shit he's done with like law and order or uh triple a yeah triple triple a and all the shit he's done from like indie stuff to gi joe that's a j a gay job you know what i mean triple a yeah um in lance reddick a homie who played uh the priest on the wire i forget his name right now i'm blanking on his name like all those guys are are all near and dear to me for all the awesome work they put in to that show and so like yeah just michael michael williams and michael k williams and uh lance reddick both going are just man that that you know that that's hitting the black black actor entertainer community real hard that's messed up that's the like, so I mean, yeah, like, you know, for my part, like, you know, he was, he was an amazing, like little four episode arc and lost. I thought that guy was, you know, that was one of those great mystery box characters for a long time where it was like, who is this guy? And I think that may have been the first time I ever really like saw him because I, I hadn't watched the wire and stuff at that point. And, 
um, hadn't seen Oz at that point either. And cause that was like pre screen rant days when, when that character debuted and I, you know, like loved him in fringe and sort of saw him peppered into some things that we, you know, we covered over the years, obviously John wick franchise and everything, but yeah, I mean, video games is a big part of where my connection to him is because I love the horizon series and he's, you know, he's an antagonist or kind of an anti hero antagonist type character in that does a great job. And then, I mean, Destiny, like, he's the voice of Commanders of Zavala, and, like, he's the leader of the Vanguard and and everything like that in, in the game. Like, he's basically the main kind of badass in the game. And in the, like, you know, kind of the public space in Destiny where, like, all the players gather, one of the public spaces, like, it sort of overlooks the last city, which is, you know, this the last city of humanity and stuff. And he he stands on this ledge and is overlooking the city all the time. And like the last week, as Rob was alluding to, like once he died, people were just going there and like posting up for a bit and just listening to him talk. And because, you know, the, you walk up to the character and he'll kind of quip at you and, and stuff like that. And I don't usually get like moved by that kind of thing, you know, like a video game character you know, or something like that. But I mean, I found myself like I didn't play destiny at all this week, but I logged on and went to the tower and like, you know, kind of paid my respects to commanders of Allah because the character is a big part of that universe. And that's a game that I, that I love so much. And I know, you know, he played that game all the time and just thought it was so cool that he was in it and was just such a fan of the, of the community and, and the product and everything. And when you guys were saying, you know, we're talking a lot about egos tonight, like that's a guy who did not have an ego. He loved everything he was in. He was always so positive about it. And you could tell he was just having the fucking time of his life doing, you know, doing that, like yeah. any role that he had and stuff. And he was like, you know, he was living his dream. And that's, I mean, it was shocking that, you know, we were all cutting interview footage of him lively and joking around with the cast. And then just like, he's just gone. I, I can't think of times in our, you know, in our coverage. Yeah, of that's where he bugged out. Yeah, yeah it's been talking to the guy the day before. So I know we had like video clips that cut for social, and we're like, "Oh man, like fuck all this text. Let's just turn this into like a some sort of yeah, tribute." Totally. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like just days earlier, and and it's weird. But yeah, as a gamer, like he was at not not just like he didn't just go into the work. Like he was at the events. Like there's a, yeah, he just at all the Destiny events we saw him at. We spoke to him at. Like he walks around with the cosplay shit and the, the giant yeah. the Galahorn weapon from Destiny Two. But like yeah. I, I know him, I know him from TV mainly. But like his voice is so recognizable his yeah. face and his, his persona so recognizable. Like he, he was in like, I, I know him from payday too. Like, of course we know him from horizon as well, but destiny, of course he's a main character, but he was in, if you remember quantum break, which I actually loved, oh, Xbox, right. he was yeah. in not just the game, but he did a TV show part of it as well yeah. with Sean Ashmore and stuff. So like, he's such a massive, cause he's a gamer himself. But he's so, so much a part of the community and, and on social media, he was also an activist and spoke up and called out shit, like in the most, the best way possible. So like he was such yeah. a, like a, an icon in all of his entertainment industries, but also just a good person. And he's 60, but man, he looked like he was 40 and he acted like he was 30. And he was just yeah. like, I don't know. It's so fucked, man. Like the timing is awful. And, um, you could feel this amongst the cast and crew of John McFour, who are, yeah. you know, having, you know, speaking in, in tribute to him at all these events right now. So, yeah, it's weird. And Keanu Reeves said it best. Like just, you look at his red carpet interviews and he's like, Man, it fucking sucks. He's not here right now. Yeah, that's as simple as that. Yeah. Like that's the best way to put it, I think. So, yeah, yeah man. So I wanted to call it out because we will talk about John Wick for next week. So yeah, and he's and I mean, you know, for his part of it, he's great in it. Like you know, same same thing as he's usually doing in those movies. But 
he has he has a, a couple of really really good scenes in there. The uh, so we get to see him in Percy Jackson as Zeus in that you know upcoming TV series, and well, then we also get I don't to know. see him. Did they did they shoot that? I, I don't know. I, don't know I think it's in post production. Yeah, I think he's yeah. There. I think he's in there. Yeah. Okay. I believe a Percy Jackson guy. He's in there. Yeah, and he's also in White Man Can't Jump and a few other things that we're we're still gonna get to see. Dude, the man worked all the time. He was tracing that Sam Jackson record. He was yeah, isn't everything. So yeah. we'll it's see him a couple more you, times. It's crazy when you go back and look at the shit that he was in. He was in Godzilla as like I'm looking at his you know IMDb right now as a soldier on the Manhattan Bridge and stuff. It's Can like <laughs> it's so fucking funny, like going way back to some of this stuff, but. Um, yeah, anyway. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. You know, like rest in peace, Lance Reddick. Like, you know, obviously we rest in power, homie. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Um, but that'll do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with our review of John Wick chapter four, which I'm really excited to, uh, to talk to you guys about and, you know, previewing my opinion of it. If anybody's listening to this right now and, you know, for whatever reason, you're on the fence about seeing John Wick four. I mean, I would see it in the biggest, just like loudest screen you can possibly find and definitely check it out because it is a lot of fun. Um, I don't I cannot imagine people going and not having a good time at that movie. It's long as shit, though. It's like three hours. I was shocked by that, but it goes by like actually relatively quickly, I think. So, um, yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely don't be deterred. Check it out. That's what we'll be talking about next week. Where can we find you guys on uh, on social media? I am at Ben Kendrick. Um, you can also follow me. That's on Twitter. You can also follow me at Static Media. That's where where I'm doing things. We got Looper. We got Slash Film. We got some other uh, some other sites you guys are probably familiar with. Mr. Rob Keys. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Rob underscore Keys. That's K E Y E S. I am. Uh, where else can you find me? I'm not really streaming much these days, but I'm Failkey on Twitch and Instagram and. Check out our stuff on Screen Rant and we get some other stuff, entertainment stuff on MovieWeb and Collider and CBR and, you know, all that fun, awesome. fun jazz. Kofi Outlaw. You can find my work always at uh, comicbook.com and you can find me hosting my own podcast show, the hopefully award-winning Comic Book Nation, every week on Fridays, live on your favorite streaming platforms or you can download it on your favorite podcast platforms be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page as well for even more fun content. Like we have some Shazam interviews up. Awesome. So that'll do it for this week's episode. If you have time this week, give us a, uh, a rating on your favorite podcast platform of your choice that uh, helps us spread word about the show. We will see you next week for Mr. Wick. Mr. Wick.